Come on, y'all happy to be in church this morning? I don't know what you came dragging in, but... Jesus over fear and over anxiety and over depression and every human problem that has ever existed, there is one name. Our Lord and Savior Jesus. Somebody tossed me a hook, I'd go right into rattle right now, but everybody left except for Sean up here. Y'all don't have any faith. Um, I'm Pastor Corey, if we haven't met yet, please come and meet me. Uh, This is my lovely wife, Pastor Erin. Girls can be pastors too, guys. Um, (laughs) Also, we're super sarcastic here, so um, if that's not your love language, uh, we partner with a lot of great churches in the city. I told Chad yesterday, I'm like, there's other churches in the city, Chad. Like, if there's, that you'd fit in. No, we love Chad. He's like, but I like it here. I'm like, no. Okay, um, again, sarcasm, it's our thing. Uh, uh, who's that first Wednesday? That was an incredible, uh, I think God just set the tone for the future of the church on that night. So if you missed it, every month of the first of the month we do just night of worship and ministry and like prophetic word and there was just something that was um it was electric it was hard to describe it was incredible um and i think it set the tone also for our church in the wild series now i try to do one of these a year uh, normally about this time of the year because i think we have to um if, if you're a church person we have to revisit the question of who is church for so I could, I grew up in church cultures. Now, a lot of you tell me that you didn't grow up uh, in church at all, or, uh, or grandpa uh, was Catholic, uh, and, you know, and went to church twice a year, um, or whatever that looks like to you. And I always say like, well, we're sort of Catholic. And then I'm like, we're not really Catholic. But there is something in every church that God has called every church to do that I think is kind of special to every church. And Venue Church has a particular way that God has called us. Now, I could, we could learn, come on, Venue Church, we could learn the awe and reverence of the Lord that the Catholic Church, like, I mean, there's just something about it. You just feel the greatness of God in those scenarios. But we have to know who we are as a church and who God has called us to reach because other churches will reach other people that we won't reach. And we partner with them and we're just church with a little C. Uh, But we also, you know, if I polled 100 church people, and I'm a pastor's kid, right? So if I polled 100 church people and said, who do you think your church is for? I'd get 100 answers. Well, that's, it's hard to, what's that called when you have more than one vision? Division. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work in family. It doesn't work at work. It doesn't work anywhere. Division, the fracturing of mission, and nobody really knows who it's for and uh, who gets to do what to who. And so we're exploring that in the series Church in the Wild. So it's always a little bit ed- edgy. Or you came from a church, uh, this might be um, a shock to you. You come from a church where, where the leadership is like, what do you want us to be? And uh, that's not what, what we do at all. We, we know who we are. We know who God has called us to be. We know what you can do in your next steps um, to get involved and engaged towards your destiny. So I think we have to start with this question, whose church is it? Thanks, Sean. So you can't walk past the neighbor's yard and be like, I don't like that tree where it's at unless it's your yard you know what i'm saying pastor aaron if you've ever seen her yard it's like this perfectly manicured yard it's a beautiful yard but you can't walk by in the path behind the house and be like i don't like that flower and she'd be like what (laughs) you are braver than i am if you want to be i'm just like i like it i like that flower i like where you put it i like everything about it you know so i think i think church people 
have this kind of weird uh, arrogance about us that after a while we come in and after a while we're like, this is our house. Well, I want to suggest to you that, well, no, it's, it's God's house, actually. And so I can't take my kids into God's house and be like, hey, kids, go jump on the bed. You know, here's some paint, like change the pink color in the kitchen. I don't like it. You know, change the music. <laughs> turn it up, turn it down, you know, do this. Pastor shouldn't wear those clothes. Uh, clearance racket winners, guys. Pastor salary, it's all I can afford. The <laughs> now, I grew up in a home, I don't know if anybody else grew up in a home, where you ate what mom cooked. And it was delicious. Somebody say amen. Come on now. Okay, like my dad would take a little bit of joking around, but mom was off limits, man. Mom was the Holy Spirit in the house. Like, you do not talk bad about mom. She could be crazy, but it doesn't matter because she's still mom. And if you want to eat and live indoors, uh, you're welcome to eat what she makes. And so one time, there's only one time that I can recall that my mom uh, made, not the one time she made something questionable, made something questionable that I'm like, I don't know about this. Because she, she made, um, she looked in the Mennonite cookbook. Anybody grew up, my dad's side is Mennonite. They know how to cook, y'all. But somebody in the Mennonite church made a recipe for peanut butter soup peanut butter soup. Somebody thought that up. And she, my mom decided, this is my mom right here. Come on. Give her some love. So my mom, she's like, okay, I can kill two birds with one stone and maybe kill my family. I'm going to, I can use this recipe, but I've got this peanut butter that's been sitting in the cupboard now. You know, you know, nasty peanut butter, uh, that doesn't look like peanut butter. That's all natural, but give it about a year. And it starts to like separate and look like something that the dog threw up, right? So this had been in the cupboard for about a year. And mom's like, I should use that up and feed my family at the same time. And so my brother and I sit down and we look at the soup that she made. And I'm like, uh, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to die. I've made my peace with God. I'm like, I, I'd rather die by soup than die by dad. So I'm like, okay. And my dad comes and sits down and my dad says, Looks at it, he goes, I'm not eating that. And we're like, we're not eating that. We have rights. It's the only time that dad ever said that because dad knew which side uh, his bread was buttered on. Y'all know what I'm saying? Teenagers, if mom makes your lunch, shut up. It's great lunch. Go buy McDonald's if you have to. Never bring the lunch home. Some teenagers like, I'm learning something. Don't you ever complain about something your mom made. It will be the last time, and then you will make your own lunch until the end of time. Now, this is a church where the, the Holy Spirit is like the mom of the Trinity. And this is a kind of a church that you need to understand. When you come in, there's a secret sauce about it that's kind of like intriguing and alarming. Is that we kind of eat what the Holy Spirit prepares. Which means that I'm preaching a sermon that the Holy Spirit prepared that will make sense to Ryan and make sense to Eric and make sense to everybody in the room. And have something to do with your life when you're all different people. Different stages of life. It is just a soup that nourishes and like today might be peanut butter soup for you. I'm just saying, but this is a church that we eat what the Holy Spirit made us. And so this sermon, um, I'm going to be talking about what it actually means to do life with each other. <laughs> Look, I can tell you the benefits of it, but y'all just got to choose to actually do the life that Jesus wanted you to do. And I'm going to show from the life of Jesus and his interaction with his disciples uh, how it actually uh, looked. And so next week I'm talking about 99 problems. Don't listen to that song. Um, it's, the, it's what happens when a church forgets 
where Jesus is, and Jesus is looking for the lost sheep. And when a church forgets that, then Jesus has 99 problems rather than 99 helpers. And so um, it'll hurt your feelings too. All my, you know, I tried to preach a nice sermon one time. I can't do it. But anyways, whatever. And then I'm going to talk about the prodigal son. Now, wherever you're at in your journey, that might be you. Like, hey, I'm eating with a bunch of pigs, and I left God, and I, I, I've never met God. I need to come home. Um, but when you come home, then you have a choice. Like, are you going to have the heart of the father? Or are you going to have the heart of the older brother? Now, read that story if you're new to church, the prodigal son story. Are, am I going to have the heart of the father, or am I going to have the heart of the older brother? And then the fourth thing is the blueprint, and that is... Here's the blueprint God showed us in how we build church, and this is how, how, what we do. You can come in with your other church ideas, and I'm like, that's great. Can I see that blueprint? I'm like, here's ours, because we don't know how to do that. And you came from a church that that blueprint gets you the results that that church got, and this blueprint gets us the results that we have. We don't know how to build anything else. And so if you want to come in here and make us different than God told us to be, then we don't know how to do that. All we know how to do is do what we do. And uh, we believe that God gave us a blueprint, which I'm going to talk about. Now, I grew up in, in church culture where we didn't talk about any of this stuff. So you, you all should be grateful. All right. Um, and this, this Sunday is small group Sunday. So we want you to scan the QR code on the chair in front of you. Get hooked up in a small group. I'm going to run them off in a little bit. Now, the number one reason to join a small group is if you ever decide to move houses. Oh, you think your work people are friends? They're not your friends. Your neighbors, no. You're leaving their neighborhood. They don't care about you at all anymore. <laughs> small group. You need a small group for when you move. It's hard to go to a new city when you don't have a small group yet, you know, because you're asking people to, like, move all your crap, you know. Did the pastor just say the word crap? It's pretty, it's not that bad of a word, I feel. Um, small group. And uh, we'd love to help each other in that way. I mean, the, uh, actually, from the sermon last week, the number one reason, if things go really south on you, to have a small group is in case you need to dispose of a body. But you've got to listen to last week's sermon, I'm just saying. Um, now, the greatest predictor of spiritual growth, we say it all the time, is whether you, are you ready? Go to church, small group, and serve with five to seven close friends. Those are the people who are spiritually growing. The greatest predictor of spiritual growth in your life, I mean, this is statistically, is whether you go to church, small group, and serve with five to seven close friends. Now, I'm going to talk today about this idea of um, refrigerator rights. Who in your life is close enough to you that they can just walk into your house, maybe not even ring the doorbell if you know they're coming over, walk in, I'm here, and go to your fridge and root around if they're hungry. You need five to seven friends that you're like, my fridge is your fridge, and when I come to your house, it's all mine too. Now the fridge, I know, as soon as I said that to the men, the men are like, uh, this is an emotional sermon. And, and it is, because food is emotional. Um, you know, the first time I went to Pastor Aaron's, she lived in a duplex with a bunch of Christian gals. And, uh, and she, she was organizing um, a worship practice that she was late for. <laughs> Not anymore, everybody. The Lord has done a miracle. Um, but she was late for it because she was driving a bunch of hippies around Calgary. A bunch of the other worship members who didn't want to have jobs and played video games all day. And I'm like, let them take the bus. And so that was a conversation early on. <laughs> I love Jesus Revolution. Have you watched that movie? Yeah. I love it. But y'all hippies need to get a job. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so 
So <laughs> I walk into her house. I don't know anybody. I walk down to the basement. I walk in, and then I am literally there with a bunch of people I don't know looking through her fridge. And I saw, like I knew it from that moment, I just saw there was a bunch of Dr. Pepper in there. And I'm like, Lord, what are you saying? I said, whose Dr. Pepper is this? And they said, Aaron. And I'm like, hello. She could have looked like the troll under the bridge, y'all. It wouldn't have mattered. She's hot, but it wouldn't have mattered. I'm like, can I tell you the day that she fell in love with me? I mean, it was an act of service that I've, I've never heard of a greater one. I don't want to brag about myself or anything, but... So we were doing music at U of C campus for a bunch of like university kids in like worship music. And it was raining after. And I'm like, there is no way I'm packing this stuff out in the rain. So I drove my, I had a red Jeep, y'all, that was hot. And I drove my red Jeep right on the universe, right up the walking paths. I'm like, stop me somebody. And I'm just like, drove right up, popped the hatch. It's raining, we're loading music equipment. I'm listening to Cranberry's Zombie, y'all, some real music. I'm listening to, it's Irish day and I'm on, I'm on fire. I'm like, I'm all charm. <laughs> I can be charming. I can be charming. Okay. Anyways, I was like in the mood, right? And she, and I bought the world's best Dr. Pepper I've ever had. It was the perfect temperature. It was incredible. It was like drinking a gift from God. And I shared it with her. Did you seriously clap for that? <laughs> You're amazing. We just keep the standards super low. <laughs> that's incredible. Wow, this guy's great. <laughs> now, that's the last thing I ever shared with her because I don't know if you if got, if, if you got a guy in your home, I don't know what it's like growing up, but my mom wounded me growing up because she would always be picking stuff off of my plate. And when you put food in front of a guy, I'd just be like, I'd be seven, and I'd be like, this food belongs to me now. You know, I didn't pay for it. I didn't make it. I'm not going to do the dishes if I can help it. I'm not doing nothing. This food belongs to me. And my mom would be like, I wonder what that tastes like. And I'd be like, but you made it, and it's on your plate. She's just curious, you know, just like I... And it just wounded me so much that I couldn't share food. Normally, I would have been more mature or whatever, but... And so after that, what would happen is I would, I would be like, hey, you know, I was going to buy like French fries or something. I'd be like, do you want some? And then she would always say no because she had already planned to eat my French fries. And that doesn't work for me. So I did the smart thing. I just bought two of everything from then on. I'm just like, here's French fries. She's like, I didn't want them. And I'm like, no, you did. You wanted mine. And then even then she'd be like, I wonder what his tastes like, right? So now we share meals actually, which I mean... I thought I was mature back then, but apparently, well, now I'm kind of the curious one. Maybe I turned into my mom. Is that a weird thought for you? Okay. Um, right, so, which is why we offer pizza for pastors. You need to take one step further in, scan the QR code, about once a month we do pizza with pastors. Like, it's emotional. I don't know if I can explain this to you, but the reason I decided to marry Erin is because she invited me over for dinner. She's like, what are you doing this night? You want to come for dinner? And I'm like, it could have been an invite to a violence gang. It could have been an invite to a chess club. <laughs> sort of the same thing in my head, right? I'm like, chess, you know how long that is? That's like, that takes forever, that game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been anything, and I would have been like, oh, and then she made me cranberry chicken, y'all. And I saw the seven realms of heaven. 
And I thought to myself, I need to eat, for, like forever. And uh, that's the, the deal, you know. And she made a blueberry cobbler that I haven't seen uh, to this day. But what, it worked, you know. <laughs> Jesus had 12 guys in his fridge. 12 of the weirdest guys. I mean, he had these weird fishermen in there, you know, always coming in smelling like, you know, like, like gross, you know, fish. like fish. We had a skunk run across the street last night when we were coming home from church. You know, you have guys that don't smell good all the time in your small group. He had a freedom fighter in his small group. He had a guy who was like, I have made my own grenades and we're bombing parliament this week. I just need a ride. Anybody want to give me a ride? I'm not taking my car because they can track stuff. You know, I mean, he had a guy, a zealot, you know, a guy who was like trying to cast off the government, you know. He had a guy, he had a guy who worked for the CRA. If you work for the CRA right now, you're like, I now work, I'm an engineer now. I, <laughs> it's okay, you can come in, come into small group, give it a little time, take off the mask and be like, I actually work for the tax department. Okay. Now, <laughs> I always laugh when I hear Christians. I'm a pastor's kid. I've heard it all. I know that the thing that you think that you know that's like super revelation, you know, is revelation to you. I've heard like 50 times, right? So I'm like, yeah, I know that you think that, okay. I always laugh when Christians say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need a small group and I don't need to serve. Here's why. Because Jesus went to church, had a small group and served. And you're not smarter than Jesus is. I know this is like a shock. He went to church. He served. He had a small group. I mean, why did Jesus have a small group, if you think about it? Was he looking for aggravation? Like, why did he have these guys as a small group? You think that your small group is full of idiots. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> Who thinks their small group right now is full of idiots? Yeah, that's right. That shut you up. Okay. Here's some small group of idiots that we're offering this one. No, I'm just kidding. Here's some small groups that we're offering. Ambassadors. Here's a small group that's coming up right now. It's like how to share your faith with people who don't believe in Jesus. You know, how do you share your faith? Look, Christianity is not for dummies. Christianity is for smarties. But if you don't know where to come at where a person is at and how you explain it and how you, like, go back history, you know, I mean, this is, like, the fundamentals of how you defend your faith that's not just like, well, I just believe. Well, they don't care about that. They believe something too. I mean, they ate a piece of pizza last night. Now they believe in something. You know, I'm like, let's dig down a few layers and figure out what, okay. I'm taking too long with that because this is not a competition. I'm not trying to drive people into that small group because mine is coming up. Okay. <laughs> There's better together. That's a great small group. They have like, that's, they have like a potluck every week. <laughs> Leaders are right there. Yeah. Y'all food is emotional. Um, there's one called Family Dynamics that Pastor Aaron and I are leading. It's not the best small group, but... Like, what, I mean, you can be divorced and come to that too, but we're just going to talk about human interactions. It's going to be a great small group. It's probably going to be the best small group. <laughs> That's not a competition, right? Um, there's one called Millennialish with Tyler and Bree. Oh, yeah. Keep it down. Okay. Um, there's one called On Demand with Bill and Shirley. Uh, I don't know if they're serving. Bill and Shirley. My kids are going to El Salvador. There's a group... Um, called Shelter Canada that Dustin and Janine are doing that is a group that's going to El Salvador to build uh, houses. That's an incredible group. Bill is going, actually from the other small group, Bill is going there. My older girls are like, Mr. Bill is hilarious. We're so glad he's going on this trip. And I told Bill and he's like, what? And I'm like, they think you're hilarious. And so it's going to be a great trip. 
Um, if you want to give to that, just uh, uh, you can just I don't know, figure figure out how to do that. <laughs> QR code. Okay, whatever. Um, so there's a sort of, some of these groups they go back through the sermon because like I can't get it all to you on Sunday, and it's kind of for a specific purpose. Sometimes it goes a lot deeper, and we get it into you, and you can grow a little quicker than everybody else. There's sword bears that my parents do. If you want to hear a bunch of made up stories about my childhood. Uh, get in there. Uh, Chad and Nicole do a great group as well. I love Chad and Nicole as much as I make fun of him. I love you because I make fun of you. Okay. No. I make fun of you because I love you. That was... <laughs> Whatever. You get it. Um, there's Young and Free group. Uh, Eric and Nick, that my older girls go to. Have I missed any? I don't think I have. There's Freedom group. That's where, like, some of y'all, you got so much baggage, you, you can't see what's going on. You have no tomorrow because you haven't dealt with yesterday. And so that is a group that Pastor Aaron and her team do. It's just like, hey, let's go back and let's just finally deal with this garbage so we don't have to carry it on to the next relationship that we're supposed to have, um, whatever that looks like. There's a women's group in the mornings that I go to. There's a women's group in the evening that I'm also not invited to. Uh, there's, um, there's a men's uh, breakfast we have every now and again. It's not really like a small group. We want to in a small group because it doesn't meet that often, but there's also a men's breakfast. And there's um, youth and junior youth, y'all. Like that to me, if I see teenagers, your neighbors have teenagers that need to be in venue youth. There's like 80 or 100 kids right now, and it's going to grow this year, um, that just love Jesus and are on fire. We have the best youth leaders. Now, oh my goodness, this is taking way too long. All right, now, why did Jesus have a small group? You got to go back to when Jesus, you remember in Sunday school, that Jesus went to the temple when he was 12, and his parents went there and took, it was like a caravan of family. They went to the temple when he was 12, and then... Um, they went home and they thought Jesus was with his cousins or somebody. And so somewhere along the trip, they had the conversation that if you have more than one kid you've had, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. He's not. I thought he was with three days. They lost Jesus. Now, listen, I've lost one kid twice. That's Katie. The first one, it was in Ikea. And listen, let's just be honest. You've lost a kid there. I've lost a kid there. I've got lost in Ikea. I asked somebody one time, I said, what is it that I have to purchase for you to show me how to get out of Ikea? And she was like, well, you got to swim through this tunnel, and then you have to be airlifted up to this thing, and then there's a secret passageway, and then there's this Dora. Whatever. I lost uh, Katie one time in my own truck, so shut up. Like, but you know who I've never lost? Jesus. I'd be like, Mary, you tell God, because this is on you. He's your son now. It's funny how when your kids, you lose, all of a sudden it's not your kid anymore, it's the other person's kid. Come on, say amen, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, whatever. So, but they said they found him in the, in the temple listening and asking questions. Well, Jesus doesn't need to listen to anybody, does he? What is he asking questions about? Okay. Now, if you grew up in church, I'm going to disagree with your theology, which means what you think about God. Well, I'm not going to do it. Actually, um, the Holy Spirit just made some soup. You're not going to like, but it'll taste good. Just give me a sec. It says, Jesus, he's, he says, he went home and was subject to his parents. And then it says, and Jesus grew, increased, matured, went further in, ready? Wisdom. Wait, 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 wait. Jesus is like, but Jesus already, it's just the soup. I'm not, I'm just feeding it to you. I don't write it. I don't write the Bible. Grew in wisdom like he grew in stature. 
Right? Well, that makes sense. He had to grow up. No, he had to grow in wisdom and in favor with God and man. Whoa, whoa. Favor with God? He had to grow in favor with God. He needed to grow spiritually. Jesus. Okay. So the Holy Spirit's preaching this to me, which he does in my office, before I preach it to you. And I'm like, that doesn't agree with what I think. And he's like, I don't care. Eat the dang soup. <laughs> preach it, because there's something they don't understand about community. Watch. You know, in today's world, we have never had more knowledge. See, wisdom is the application of knowledge to get the right result. We've never had more knowledge about the human body and sexuality, and we're the most unhappy people. Why? It's not being applied the way God intended it. Hmm. Knowledge puffs up. Love edifies. What are we missing? Jesus grew in wisdom. Okay. What does that mean? He went home and was subject to them. Ready? He went home. And I read about this this week. And he went to synagogue school. He went to Sunday school. He went to venue kids with venue kids and was taught the Torah by people he created. And he grew spiritually. And you're like, I don't need to do that because I'm so awesome. <laughs> I hear it all the time. Here's your purpose on this earth, to connect with God and people. You can't connect with God and people until you connect somebody else with God and people. Look, his small group needed him, but he needed his small group. If he didn't have his small group of weirdos, he had no place. Ready? It's not about finding your gift. It's about using your gift. You got no place to use it. You got no place to develop it. Your purpose is listen. Jesus was always sinless, but he grew. He didn't get sent down to the earth to be perfect. He got sent down to this earth to save you. All of his righteousness and all of his purity and holiness and all of his being the son of God doesn't affect you at all unless he's with you. And God came down in the flesh and human form and was with us. Emmanuel, God with us so that he could pay the price of adoption to get you in. Now, you're trying to find your purpose outside of where he found his purpose. Not smarter than Jesus. People, they always like, oh, I do so much for my church. Work so hard. I'm like, you can't find your purpose without us. Say thank you. Say thank you to your weird small group. I can't find my purpose without you. Thank you. This is not me doing a huge service to you and preaching because God told me to. This is me getting a place where I get to use my gift and help people. And if I didn't have a place to serve people, nothing would matter. I could like, look, I could do some podcast. And I could be like, it doesn't matter if you don't come along with me. If you don't, I'm so glad I have a place to serve. I'm so glad when sheep get all bitey. People are always like, the church has hurt me. I'm like, what's that like? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and
and some. Some person with some sort of faith is trying to find something outside of the church. And they're like, I have a special revelation from God about this, about my total lack of connection in God's house. And I'll be like, it's, it's not really God. It's, it's uh, something we call a venue, Frank and Jesus. And I'm going to do a series about Frank and Jesus in October. And the creative team is like, are you doing it in October because it's Halloween? That's genius. And I'm like, I'm doing it now because of that. <laughs> so it's the Holy Spirit, everybody. We're not that smart. I'm like, yeah. No, that's why. <laughs> Frank and Jesus. Somebody, you know, you create this like image of God that looks a, a lot like you and a little like Jesus. You know, and it's just kind of weird to be around. It's unnaturally strong and weird. It smells like a corpse. Okay, anyways. <laughs> this way, boy, it's going to be awesome. Listen, as soon as I hear from somebody with faith... I don't go to church and I don't go to small group and I don't serve. I'm like, this is what I think. You're spiritually sick. Don't sneeze on me. You go around sneezing always like, I've had this revelation from God. No, you had a weird dream because you ate too much sausage on pizza. You ate too much sausage. It's like that dream that your wife gets mad at you about that didn't happen. Like, oh, I was being chased by a bear and you didn't even help me and that's just like you. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no bear. It's this weird thing. Why? Why? You're trying to find your purpose apart from how Jesus found his purpose. You're smarter than he is. You're better than he is. No, there's something wrong. The Bible also says he who isolates himself seeks his own desire. And you're like, I'm seeking the desires of God. And I'm like, you're seeking your own. You don't even believe your own Bible anymore. What do you believe? You're just making this up. You're just picking and choosing. The Bible also says, confess your sins to God for forgiveness. Confess them to each other for healing. Meaning if you don't have this going on with imperfect people. Oh, it's easier to confess your sins to imperfect people, by the way. Thank you for my weird small group, Pastor. You're welcome. It's easier. Oh, you think that could be... Okay. For healing, meaning you're sick, you're spiritually diseased, there's something wrong, there's like a festering wound, like you can't walk right, you think that you are, but you can't, you think that your brain is working, it's not. Okay. Can I tell you why I believe in church so much? Because without... And small group particularly. If we, it wasn't for our small group, this is before we even knew how to do small groups before we came here. Without my small group, we wouldn't have a marriage. Our kids would like probably not love Jesus right now. Like you're taking a total gamble with your kids because you're just adding pressure in the wrong places. Uh, this church wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. 200 souls wouldn't be going to heaven because we baptized them in the time that we've been here. No small group? That didn't happen. We know it. That's why we care about it so much. Can I tell you another translation of that word? Jesus grew. Jesus grew. He grew. Okay. This is another way that word can be translated. To beat forward. Oh, you're like, now my small group makes sense. I get it. <laughs> to lengthen out by hammering as a smith forges metal. Iron sharpens iron. So one friend sharpens another. Meaning you get dull. Meaning you're, you're a lump of like raw material and possibilities, but until you're in church, small group, and serving, you don't get like made into that sword that hurts the devil. You get dull in how you talk to your wife. You get dull in being physically available to your spouse. You get dull in how you give. You get dull in how you worship. You're just like, my hands are here, and they used to be up here. And you get dull in how you love. You get dull in how you forgive. You get dull in your generosity. Like, I don't really need... How much was your adoption worth? Put a price tag on it. Well, around here, a life saved is worth everything. Listen, church, we will lose our soul the minute that we won't do that. We're not losing our soul as a church. I'll lose my soul as a Christian in the sense of like, I'll lose the heart of Jesus. If you're not worth everything to me. 
That's what you feel when you walk in here. That's why it's different. Just hanging out with Jesus' disciples hammered him. I'm going to get into the scripture here in a sec. You know, I mean, God gives Jesus Judas. And Jesus still made a place at the table for Judas. The night that he was betrayed by Judas. God gave Jesus Peter. Y'all, who identifies with Peter? Like, I just finally got my foot out of my mouth. The other one's in there now. Peter, Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus calls a prayer meeting. He's like, guys, just stay up with me and pray. And then he come, they come to take him away. And Peter pulls out a sword. And he's like, why'd you bring that to the prayer meeting? Pulls out a sword. The high priest servant comes. And he like goes in, cuts the guy's ear off. Peter. Cuts his ear off. And then Jesus, lengthened out by hammering, walks over there. Picks up the ear. Puts it back on the guy's head. Be healed in my, Jesus, my name. I'm sorry. He's a work in progress. Listen, listen. But if I'll save him, like, are we good? You can hear this? Okay. Good. Lengthened out by hammering, y'all. Like he needed that on that night. Lengthened out by hammering. Even Jesus had to be hammered into his purpose. Listen, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there for. He wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He didn't want them to be part of the crowd venue. He's like, I want to go deeper, but I can't go deeper like this. I can go deeper. That's why we do small groups, because as a church gets bigger, it's got to get smaller so we can go deeper. He's like, I want to teach you something that I can't teach the crowd. He said, the son of man is going to be betrayed. He'll be killed. Three days later, he'll rise. They didn't understand what he was saying. Shocker. And they were afraid to ask him what it meant. Next verse. They arrived in Capernaum and settled in the house. Jesus asked his disciples, what were you guys talking about on the road? It's like, what were you guys arguing about in the car on the way to church? It's never not stupid. How does he know? I have cameras everywhere. Watch it. They didn't answer. Now listen, guys. Like... I'm me. If you know anything about me, like, answer your dang phone. I'm like, answer me. It's just a measure of respect to me. They didn't answer Jesus, the son of almighty God. They're just like, (laughs) why? Because they were arguing um, about which one of them was the greatest. That's amazing. You know, the verse after, like, we don't know anything about what he's talking about, and we're too afraid to ask him. The next verse is like, I am so much better than all y'all. So much smarter. I got so much stuff going on. So many irons in the fire. <laughs> well, it says, and the mother of James and John, another verse, the sons of Zebedee, came to, ask, um, came to Jesus with their sons. She asked a favor. What's your request? Like, what do you want? He said, like, knowing this is coming. She's like, in your kingdom, please let my son sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. And they're like, I mean, this is dirty pool. Like, they went home and they're like, Mom, we really want this, but we don't have the guts to talk to our boss at work. Can you please call him? <laughs> when the other disciples heard about what James and John asked, they were indignant. They're like, ah, I should have brought my mom to small group. 
she'd get some results from these people. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people. Officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, which means until you have a place to serve, you're nothing. You don't matter. You were built to have purpose and purpose comes through serving. And until you're in a place where you're serving, it doesn't matter. You'll never be a leader. You'll never have influence. You'll never have stature. When you walk into the room, nobody's going to care what you think until you serve in the lowest place. Watch, he said, even the Son of Man, even myself, he's saying, came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. Meaning, what he's saying is, guys, you, you need me. But he's saying, I need you. I actually need my small group, or I've got no place to bring the gifts of God. So this sermon, I mean, I could end this a bunch of different ways. This is what I feel like the Holy Spirit, this is the mood that the Holy Spirit told me to. It's the peanut butter soup. You ready? I felt like the Holy Spirit said, just go to the back door, open the back door of the house, the house of God. Open the back door. Some of y'all are in the house of God. Some of y'all are doing this stuff. Okay, go deeper. Let's go deeper. Let's go bring more people into this. But some of y'all, I just feel like I just opened the door and some of y'all are like living out in the back 40 in a tent. And it's like cold and you've told yourself kind of a story like, well, this is God's house too. And you're living out there with Frank and Jesus. Frank and Jesus, who doesn't keep his promises. Who said, hey, come out here because the church has hurt you. You know who the church hurt the most? Uh, Jesus. And here's the peanut butter soup. Are you ready? I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit's like, the door's open. It smells like food. It's going out to you. I'm like, just come back inside. You don't need to be out there anymore. You don't need to be lonely and freezing. And some of y'all are like, are you going to make me give? Are you going to make me do the dishes? Sure. That's what family does. Right? But look, eating Thanksgiving dinner is way better than eating the crab apples and squirrels y'all are eating out there anyways. It doesn't taste good out there. Nothing out there it's going to be a place where you can fulfill your destiny out there anyways. Who cares if we get to do the dishes with each other? It's not hard for me to go to work and pay for my kids. I love my kids. It's why I'm here. It's a place that I get to serve. It's a place I get to give. It fulfills me. I don't need them to be like thanking me every day. I love it. They ought to thank me. But it fulfills my destiny and my purpose. So this is what I need to say though. This is the peanut butter soup. Are you ready? Whatever story you have that keeps you out there, can you just get over it? Just get over it. You don't have to think that way anymore. You don't have to feel that way anymore. You have to, all the stories and all the reasons and all like, just come inside and eat because you're kind of malnourished out there and a little lightheaded. And once you eat, it'll start making sense. and You'll be like, oh, God made a place for me here. God has a plan for me here. Church and small groups and serving. This is where I find my... I can't find it out there anymore. Just come in from the cold.